My name is Sam Schof, if you don't know me. Uh, thank you. And I, I, I lived in Haiti for four years. Some of you may know that, some of you may have not. I lived in Haiti in a, a city called Port-au-Pay, and I lived there for four years all through high school. So my parents were teachers at an English-teaching Christian academy, and I was a student there. So I was, I was the only American in my class, and it was, it was a crazy experience, but it was a good experience. It was fun. It did a lot of things for me. Um, it matured me in a lot of ways. It cultured me. It taught me a lot of things that I may have not learned if I didn't live there. But as, as we could all probably agree, high school is a very formative time for you. You, you really start learning who you are, who you want to be. Um, characteristics and people that you know that you want to have for yourself. You try to find your voice or the lack of your voice, whatever it may be. And, uh, and for me, being in Haiti, being in another country, being a foreigner, it was, it was hard for me to try to find my identity sometimes. Sometimes I'd, I'd want to be one way, but I couldn't. And, uh, and I realized no matter how much Creole I've learned, I, I, got, I was fluent in Creole, no matter how much Creole I can speak, no matter if I know the foods that you like, your culture, your history, because I took a Haitian history class. Like, I knew all about Haiti. I lived in Haiti. I lived in a neighborhood. I didn't live in a compound. But at the end of the day, me and a Haitian, I'm not Haitian. No matter what, I'm not Haitian. As much as I wanted to be Haitian, I couldn't be a Haitian. But when I moved back to the States, so I graduated high school, and then I moved back to go to college in Ohio. So my family stayed, so I was by myself. And then I moved back, but what I learned is I don't really understand American culture anymore. I, I speak English, you know, I know cities, I know things that people do, but since I've been in high school, all through high school in Haiti, I don't, I don't have a car, I didn't have a license, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18 years old, and I didn't feel like all the other Americans that I knew. I didn't feel American. You know what I mean? Like, I knew on paper, I'm an American, I'm a legal resident, but I felt more Haitian. But in Haiti, I'm not a Haitian. I'm an American. Everybody knows it. Looking at me, they're like, you're not Haitian, you know? And, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't shameful, but it was like it left me. I don't know who I am. And then as the years go on, even though I might have sorted out my nationality or a comfortable place in that, there were still plenty of other things I was trying to figure out, like, who am I? Where do I fall? And, uh, and today, I've noticed in today's culture, today's society, that identity is, uh, there's a huge identity crisis going on all around us. And I feel like it's always been like that. People are always looking to see who am I, what can I be. And, but today, more than ever, it's, it's like when you meet someone, they want you to know, they want to know who you are, where you stand. And that's like, what are your politics? Are you a liberal? Are you conservative? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Who did you vote for? Or they want to know, what's your gender identity? I can see what I think, but in today's society, like, what do you identify as? Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you somewhere in between? Or when it comes to your sexuality, same thing. Like, what do you identify as? Like, is that the first thing you want someone to know about you, is who, that, is who you're attracted to? And I'm not shaming that. That's where you're at. And I'm just, I'm just pointing out things that I see all the time. It's all around us. Even things with, like, addiction, you know? I know that there's all these programs, like AA, all these anonymous things. I think they're great. I love seeing 
people be able to overcome their addictions. But one thing that I don't love seeing is that every time they go and meet at these places, that's the first thing. I am whoever I am, and I am an addict of whatever sort it may be. But I don't believe that. A lot of these places are Christian organizations, but if you're really transformed and if you really take on the, the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of Christ, you're not an addict anymore. You don't have to resonate that in yourself every day. When you look in the mirror, that's not who you are, and that's not who Yahweh sees. So I'm going to go to Exodus 3, 13 through 14. I think it's going to go up on the back too. Okay. Um, so I'll just read that. Let's see. I'll read it off my phone. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So I remember as a kid, I've, I read that verse when you learn about Moses in Sunday school, and I was like, that is, I would be so upset if that was the answer I got. Like, <laughs> what's your name? I am. That's, uh, so, but as I look into it, I see, I see what he did there. And what happens is, now, forever, forever since then, from that point, when he says, I am who I say I am, whenever you speak of yourself, you have to say his name. When you say, I am whatever, you have to say Yahweh's name first. There's no way around it. I am who I am. Are you who you are? You who you are? And, and, I, and I feel like in today's society, that it's really easy to get lost in who are you. And, and an easy way to try to refocus that for yourself or to discover that for yourself for the first time is looking at who does Yahweh say he is. So let's look at a couple of those. We're going to be in Exodus for a little bit, but that's all right. So Exodus 22, 27. For that is his, okay, little background real quick, sorry. He is, um, he's talking about the laws of social, social justice. So he's talking about if you take something from someone, you need to give it back because then they don't have it at the end of the day, and that's wrong if you're holding his only coat, I think is the example that he uses. So... For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body, and what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So, Yahweh is compassionate. So everybody say, I am compassionate. I, am compassionate. I hope that you didn't lie. But it's okay. It's okay if you did. Because that's the, that's the whole point of this, is we look at who is, who is Yahweh to himself. What does he see in himself? And when we say those things, when we read, I am compassionate, are we compassionate? If you're not compassionate yet, that's okay, but that's what you were created to be. So if you were created to be compassionate, that's what we can strive to do. And, and, and we look at that, and when we look at people, if we have different opportunities, are we compassionate? Do we feel the same sympathies for different people? All right, and Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, okay, so this was... I'm going to give a little bit of background to each one. So this was, Moses says this about Yahweh, about God, whenever he passes in front of him. So this is what he declares that he sees in Yahweh. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So he, 
he says, I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with love and faithfulness. So say, I am merciful, I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am overflowing with love and faithfulness. Those are all things that maybe in every moment you aren't slow to anger. I can say that. I'm not always slow to anger. Sometimes you let it build up and then one little thing happens and the whole day comes crashing down on that person or that thing, whatever it may be. But, but is that what you strive to be? In my core, I am slow to anger. I try to be slow to anger. Whenever I have an opportunity to reflect or to think about it, I want to be slow to anger. If I was not slow to anger, if I was quick to anger, I may look back at that and be like, I shouldn't have done that. But I recognize that moment because that's not who I am. Let's go to Mark 14, 61 through 62. And in this... This is Yeshua, this is Jesus, and he's talking when he says to the Pharisees, and all his people were with him, but he says, I will destroy the temple, and then I will rebuild it, and they're freaking out, because they're like, you're a terrorist, all of that. So they're saying, so then, but then <laughs> they ask him, they say, who are you? Why do you think that you can say that? Who, who are you, Jesus, you know? So then he says, oh, hold on. But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So, what did Yeshua say there? He said, I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man. I am from Yahweh. So say, I am the Son of God. We're all sons. If you choose to sit in that seat, you choose to be a son. And a lot of people may say, well, no, he's like the son. But it's set, we're taught, it, it, he tells us, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. That's like a little saying that we all say, but what does that mean? If, if we're his brother and his sister, his father's our father. We are sons, we are a son of God. So I am a son of God. John eight twelve. So in this one, this is Jesus again. And he said, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he says that he's the light of the world, which means when we can all say, I am the light of the world. And what does that mean is as he was walking through earth, he was the first, he was the first Jesus Christ, you know, and he's walking through. But now since then, when we have him in us, and we're, just, we're supposed to go on and do bigger and greater things than him because our numbers are bigger than one man. How many people are in this room? That's how many little Jesuses we got running around in Sanford. And uh, so when he's a light to the world, he brought a whole change. He changed the whole world, one guy. And then with us, we're all lights. We're all lights to the world. We're all finding new corners, new pathways. We're finding new revelation. We're leading people into new places, pulling them out of darkness. We're going into the darkness. It doesn't matter because we are light. We all have light, and, and we're all spread out all over the world. All right, and then John fourteen eleven. This is Jesus again. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. So, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. 
wherever you go, you do have the spirit of Yahweh within you. That's why we're a light. That's why we're a son. We carry that badge anywhere that we may go, or we're supposed to. When someone sees us, they should see him. And that's why when you say, I am, it should reflect what he is. Because any encounter that someone may have with you, they're, see, they're seeing Yahweh firsthand. That's their opportunity to see Yahweh firsthand. And it's our opportunity to show them that. Whatever has changed us can change them. Whatever light that has entered our life, we can share upon to them as well. And then in Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So in this, this is uh, in Revelation, so it's John, and he had a vision where Yeshua came to him, where Jesus came to him, and he told him, you remember when I got crucified, but then I rose from the dead, and when I rose from the dead, I defeated death, I defeated hell, I defeated all of that, I overcame it, but he didn't just hold those keys, and he's like, so good luck. We have them too, you know, death it's not, it's not like this, this current situation in the world where it's some death cult, where we're like, I can't wait to die so I can go to heaven. That's not what it is. Death is irrelevant. That's the point. We're, we're all alive. We're all living. And we are, he says, I am alive forevermore. We are all alive forevermore. We don't need to be afraid of death. We don't long for death, but we're not afraid of death because it can't stop us because we're working and we're living. And then once this portion is over, we're going to keep on going and we're going to keep on living. And that's the whole point. Just like Yeshua lived here and then he transitioned to live more life, that's the same life that we're getting to live. I read, I was reading a, it's kind of like a devotional. It's, a, it's called the Book of Mysteries. Um, my mom, uh, Kim gave it to me. But, uh, so the book of mysteries, it's like a devotional, but it's given from the perspective of like a student learning from a teacher. It's like his journal. So there was a, a saying in there, and it said, move from living for him to living from him. And what I saw from that, from living for him to from him, I'm not living just hoping, like, I hope that you're seeing this and that you like what you see and that whatever I am, that's not where we're coming from. When we walk out, we're living from him. We're, we're going in his presence, spreading it all out through ourselves. He's with us all the time. He's not watching and saying, I hope that you do this moment right. He's right there to help us do it right every single moment. In Acts 17, 28, this is Paul, and he's writing a letter, and he says, In him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets who weren't like Christians at the time, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So what does that mean? When, we, when we're moving, when he's within our being, he's within our DNA, when we're moving and, and going, about, uh, going about our daily lives, we bring him with us. We're representing him. Just like you represent your name. My last name is Shof. Everywhere I go, even as a kid, it was like represent Shof. You're Shof. Like don't make Shofs look bad, you know? <laughs> But it's the, it's the same kind of thing, but it's not a guilt. It's not like a you better not or else I'm going to be mad at you that you made us look bad. It's wherever you go, you have the opportunity to represent something bigger than yourself. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. So whenever you're trying to find your identity, your identity needs to be rooted in the truths of Yahweh. So what does that mean? If it's true of the Father, 
then it's true of you. Even if in the moment it's not true of you. That's okay. But that's your purpose. You were created to be the same as him. You were created to have the same qualities, the same identity. So even if you do say you are an addict, that's okay. But do you want more? Because you don't have to be an addict forever. You get to step out of that and live in truth. If you don't live in truth, that's up to you. But even if, if you stay, you're having a false identity. And you don't have to stay in that false identity. You can move into your true purpose identity. But it's really up to you. But there's bigger and better things for each and every one of us. So with that, I'm now going to introduce Miss Vanessa. She's going to come up here and she's going to share some words as well. So everybody give her a hand. I'm very excited. Thank you. Sam, you are a deep well. And let me tell you, he stirred some things on me after intercession on Wednesday. And uh, for us, identity is a, is a thing that we talk about all the time in our house. Our kids can tell you. I'm always talking about their identity. I want to know, you know, where they are, where they think they're going, where they're going. I want to know it all. The password never works when you get up here. But identity, man, I tell you, I had an identity crisis when I was young. <laughs> Huge identity crisis. I didn't know who I was for a really long time. But inside, I knew that there was something more. I always knew that there was something more. Um, but what I want to talk about, um, and, and thank you, Sam, for just setting, setting the platform. What does Yahweh say about our identity? What does he say? You know, um, and this part I want to read specifically, but amongst all the beautiful things that Yahweh not only says, has demonstrated and keeps demonstrating, is that we're worthy. So if you don't know who you are, if Yahweh, you feel like Yahweh hasn't told you who you are, the one thing that we can put all our money in the bag for, it's he says we're worthy. We are worthy. And that's why he gave his only son. But worthy, regardless of what we've done, regardless of where we are on the timeline, regardless of how it doesn't seem like we're going where Yahweh tells us to go, we're still worthy. Um, I want to read 1 Peter 2.9. And it says, but you are not like that, for you are chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others that the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. His identity for us will always yield goodness. So the world has a kind of a way of distorting who we are. Um, I feel like they just, maybe not distorting it, but I think they see it from a different perspective. Um, there's kind of a cla classification that we fall into depending on our characteristics. So, for example, I went to get a pedicure the other day. And we were talking about piercings. The girl had, like, some really cool piercings. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to get my second nose piercing. And we are talking about all this stuff. And I said, yeah, I used to have my lip pierced and all these other. I used to gauge my ears. And I'm having this whole conversation with her. And she says, you were part of that emo group, weren't you? And I'm like, what? I said, as a matter of fact, 
I was part of the thuggish group, actually. <laughs> I wore jeans that were like three times my size, a uh, high ponytail, black bandana wrapped around it, black eyeliner with lip gloss, and a tight shirt. So, yeah, so I was like thinking like, young lady, no, that's not who I was. Um, and in case she was gonna like further classify me, I was like, no, I wasn't from Chicago. So, so yeah, so I was like, no. But, um, but the world has a way of wanting to characterize us and impose us to consider who we are without prioritizing who Yahweh says we are. And um, this, even this morning getting dressed, um, I was like, I'm really just not in the mood to like get dressed up. And I was kind of hoping that Sam and like James would kind of like dim it down. So I was kind of <laughs> nervous getting here. Um, and when I saw Sam, I'm like, dude, yes. And then I saw James, I'm like, perfect. Today's not the day that James woke up and decided I'm gonna wear a bow tie today, you know? But uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my goodness. But anyways, um, I had this really funny vision and I said, that must be why Steve doesn't walk around like Steve Harvey all the time. You know, like you see Steve Harvey and you're like, that guy's a preacher. You know, like just by the attire, you characterize the person based on their attire. And um, one thing I love about Steve is that he never really wants to be known as the preacher. Like, he wants to be known as Steve, the one who loves Yahweh's heart and spreads the gospel just by existing. And, you know, I, I considered that this morning before coming here. But I'll take it a, a bit further. And I discussed this with the team this morning in the meeting. And I thought about words that we use in the kingdom. Righteous and unrighteous is the example that I'm going to use. But um, I thought about, you know, identity and the fact that Sometimes people search for, for their identity in us. So people will come to the church, and they're looking, they're looking to, to find out, you know, where do I belong? Who am I? And if we use certain words sometimes, like righteous and unrighteous, it's like we're saying we're, we're putting them on a shelf. So, and this was born out of a conversation me and my children had and, you know, I considered that. I said, hey, you know, maybe some of the words that I use can actually be a, a negative, not a negative seed. It's not a seed planted if it's not good. But a, it just a bad seed planted in someone's life where you're saying, um, oh, hey, unrighteous one. You know, that's not the first thing that I want to plant in somebody's life. Because um, Yahweh's original intent for his sons and his daughters is not that they're unrighteous. They're born worthy. They're born righteous. So those words used in relationship with, with people. So, for example, if I say unrighteous and righteous, Kaylee would know what I meant. She would know the heart of it, distinguishing one from the other. But used outside of relationship, it can be hurtful or it can be just putting somebody on a shelf out of reach, hopeless, you know. So who and what are we allowing to determine what we are or what Yahweh calls us. Um, I thought about a couple of things in this part because I, I, I asked myself, what, what would happen if Joseph didn't believe he was the provision? So, you know, Joseph gets thrown, the story of Joseph is he gets thrown in a pit um, by his brothers. He gets sold, but in the end, he becomes the provision. But Yahweh told him that he was going to be the provision. But what if he didn't believe that he was the provision? I thought about Steve. What if the moment that Steve 
um, met Yahweh, like intimately met Yahweh? What if he didn't believe that he was going to be the visionary of Central Florida? What if he didn't believe that he was going to change lives all over Sanford? You know, what if he just dismissed that? What if he didn't, you know, uh, behold that name? Um, what if he allowed his brothers to smear Yahweh's identity for him? So what if Joseph allowed what his brothers said about him just to dismiss what Yahweh told him? Um, Alex Parker last year during, during COVID, um, she said something. Remember when we were doing the video sermons that we were sending in? Um, but she said something last year that really stuck with me. And it was that this was an opportunity to posture ourselves on the right side. And, you know, I feel like we have an opportunity to posture ourselves on the right side of what Yahweh calls us. Not anything else. Um, what if the woman at the well, using the story that Steve uses all the time, what if the woman at the well didn't see herself as a spreader of good news? Like, what if she left the well that day and said, hmm, I'm unworthy of spreading the news, so I'm not going to, you know? Um, and I love that he uses that story because it's become like something that I consider every time. Do you think that Paul, the persecutor of Christians, thought he was going to do what he did? But Yahweh did. He told him he was going to do it. Um, so the other day, I was working in the salon, and I have a client that is an AP calculus teacher. I don't really know where she stands with the father, but probably she was just so kingdom-minded. And we were having a conversation about social media. And I found it interesting because last week Steve talked about social media pouring into us and what was pouring out of us. But anyways, um, we talked about, you know, the fact that my, my children don't have cell phones. None of them had cell phones in our house, not even Gino, that is an adult. He never had a cell phone in our house. And um, we were talking about, you know, just the identity crisis and, and the cell phones and, you know, all that stuff. But she said, if there's one thing I wish I could take back, like I wish never existed, it's social media. She caught my attention. I'm like, okay. And she says, I just, I see it. I see my, 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 my students struggling. They don't know who they are. They're constantly looking for reassurance, you know, looking for all of these things in, in, in a cell phone, something superficial, right? So she said, well, I ended up doing an experiment. So let me just show you exactly how this looks. So she has 30 students, about a 45-minute window. She tells the students to take their cell phones out. They all take their cell phones out. She says, turn on the notifications. I'm sure the kids were like, oh. In 45 minutes, she wanted to tally on the board how many notifications came in. One girl, uh, she said probably the one that she wouldn't think. 97 notifications in 45 minutes. Her entire class, five, over 500. She said, I didn't, I stopped counting because I felt nauseous. 500 notifications in 45 minutes for 30 students. And we're, ta we're talking AP calculus, juniors and seniors. They're pretty bright kids. I, I couldn't believe that. And I thought to myself, that one girl had 92 opportunities for somebody to speak it, something that doesn't belong into her life 
in 45 minutes, 92 opportunities for them to tell them something that does not belong, that does not exist, something that she is not, and 92 opportunities for them to speak into her life. Granted, we can use those 92 opportunities as something powerful in the kingdom as well, but let's think about this really not what's happening, right? So, you know, I think that there's a charge in this, right? What are we going to do about that? When do we decide, and I think this charge is is for parents too. I mean, trust me, I even thought about it for myself, but um, when do we decide who gets to speak into our kids' lives, you know? For new parents like Sam and Kaylee, you know, who gets, who gets to have that access? That's an access point that doesn't even belong there, you know? Um, I read this quote um, to, in a book that I'm reading about forgiveness, and it says, the experience I have affect the perception I form. The perception I form eventually becomes the belief I carry, and the beliefs I carry determines what I see. I thought about it when it came to identity. Okay, so I'm allowing, you know, these perceptions to kind of determine whether I see, whether I don't see Yahweh and things. Like, I, I just didn't get it. But the experience I can, that I have, can affect the identity I form, right? That's why uh, with childhood trauma, you know, which, you know, I've been through, you know, if I didn't seek Yahweh, if I didn't have people to mentor me, if I didn't have people to teach me, hey, that wasn't supposed to happen and it's okay, you know, there's healing, I could have formed uh, a different identity. Probably wouldn't be here. You know, the things I'm exposed to as a kid and the things that I allow myself even to be exposed to as an adult. So the identity that I form can eventually become the beliefs that I carry. And this is the dangerous part, right? Because just like that girl was like, oh, your email. She just connected dots that weren't even there. She really didn't. And actually, I thought about it afterward because I said, and then I went further and connected myself to a group of people that I probably wasn't either. I just kind of like the fashion, you know? And the beliefs that I carry can determine how I see or not see. So if you don't know what Yahweh says about you, he calls you worthy at the very least. So if you don't know, if you've never heard Yahweh call you anything, he calls you worthy. Burn down the preconceptions people have about you and forget what you call yourself. Because I've called myself a lot of things. I've called myself so many times, uh, like, I, I don't, I'm not worthy of standing up here. I am worthy of standing up here. You know, I'm qualified, you know. Um, and simply know that you're worthy. And you will be able to see everything else he says about you if you know you're worthy. So um, there was something said, I think it was Resurrection Sunday last year. And it said there's no resurrection without death. So no resurrection without death. So if we don't just burn down all of those things that have been spoken over us that don't belong, if we don't just tear down those walls that say, I'm this, there's no room for anything else. There is no room for anything else. We will not see what Yahweh sees. I set fire to all that I've known. That's what we sang today. 
And it says, what's not of you will not be burned. So when we set fires, Yahweh protects what he needs us to know. And he'll just burn down everything he doesn't. So, you know, Sam, just thank you. Because identity is something that we, we're kind of scared to talk about sometimes. Because we don't want to offend anyone. I want my kids to be just the way they are. But I want them to be just, you know, what they are with Yahweh's heart and mind. So that's what I have for you today. And I, can, I am really excited to have James speak. Every time he speaks, I am so attentive because what he says is so deep. So put your hands together for James. <laughs> so way to set a brother up, I guess. <laughs> So I have to use the headset because I tend to move my hands around a lot and you won't hear nothing. So um, it, it was fun because, you know, last week Steve said, hey, is it messed up? Oh, Matt's going to hook me so I don't <laughs> rip it off. I don't know, man. I'm a little big. Yeah, I'm a little bigger. So don't move my head much. Um, so last week, Steve told us, you know, last week, he said, hey, next week, y'all three are speaking. So it's like, okay, we got this. We got this. Um, and then I had nothing. All week, <laughs> nothing. Not a thing. Everybody's, uh, Sam's got this amazing thing. Vanessa's got this amazing thing. James is just sitting back. We'll figure it out as we go, boys. So, and then my daughter said, so, Dad, I heard you're speaking. I said, yeah. And as my family's a little tough, so she's like, hey, most important thing, what are you going to wear? So, you know, not what are you going to talk about. Haley's like, what are you going to wear? I said, I don't know. She said, you should wear Vans, jeans, and a T-shirt. So I went with a polo, and I got me some fake Vans. So we're good. So then last night, James gets home from work, and he says, so... So this is how much we communicate in our house. He just found out last night. So last night he goes, so you're talking tomorrow? I said, yeah. He said, all right, I got something else I got to do. So let me know how it goes. But he ended up showing up anyhow. So appreciate it, son. Um, but we have fun in our family, you know. So I want to start out by reading a, uh, a couple of little scriptures. So Matthew 21, 18 through 19. Um, is that the, yeah, that's it. Okay. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. This is Jesus, you know what I mean? He coming back. Is that all it says? That's all it says back there. All right, here we go. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree, fig tree withered at once and died. So... I, I was thinking last night, man, and it wasn't, this wasn't even my, in my heart when I sat down. So I sat down to, to try to prepare for today, and I was going to go a totally different direction, and it just popped in my brain about a fig tree. And I know absolutely nothing about a fig tree, right? So I popped on, I read this scripture, and then I popped on the, uh, the internet, not the Instagram. I went to the internet, <laughs> and I said, what causes a fig tree to have no fruit? And it I come to a couple of different places. I went to this gardening thing or something, which that's never in my thing, you know. <laughs> so you go on James's, uh, you know, recently viewed, it's not going to be no gardening website. I can promise you that. So one of them said, 
one, there was three reasons that gave us three reasons. Reason number one, it's not mature enough to have fruit yet, you know? And I thought, I thought, you know, if Yeshua walked up to you today, would you have fruit on your tree? Would there be something there? If he said, I want fruit, would you have fruit on your tree? Is there fruit on your tree to feed to someone else? Are you mature enough in the kingdom? Are you even mature enough in the Father to have fruit on your tree? You know, if not, why not? What's holding you back? Are you just trying to be there immediately? That's the problem with us a lot of times. We don't want to take the steps it takes to be prepared. You know, so some of y'all might not know, but we own the gym. So... Um, and there's different things we do in our gym. And one of the, one of the things is pull-ups, you know, we do pull-ups. So a lot of times we'll do, you know, there's different ways to do it, but everybody wants to skip the step. So there's different pull-ups we do. One, you just do a regular pull-up. You grab the bar and you pull yourself up. Okay. That's cool. You're amazing. The other ones is you kip. So you swing and you use momentum to get your body up there. The other one's a butterfly. It's a little more specific. You kind of do a little circle around the bar, kind of. So I call mine an ugly fly when I do it because it looks absolutely horrible, but I can kind of do it. But the basis is the first thing you've got to be able to do is do the pull-up. I'm not going to teach you to kip before you can do the first thing because you're not prepared. If I teach you to kip before you can hang from that bar and pull your chin over the bar a few times, if I teach you to kip first, if I teach you to cheat, you can tear your shoulders, you can rip muscles, because the, the, the shoulder muscles, the rotator cuff, none of that is, is it's not ready. It's not strong enough to support the extra force that comes down, you know? So I was thinking about, man, am I mature enough to come up here and speak today? You know, am I prepared? Because what will happen is, I think I mentioned it Tuesday night, we get complacent sometimes, you know? We're like, I got this. Man, I've read the Bible a couple of times through. I don't need to open it no more. I got this. You know, I prayed. I prayed on Sunday morning, you know, and when I needed something, I prayed to the Father. I got this. But did you ever speak to the Father when you don't need something? Do you take time out of each and every day to have a relationship with him? You know, are you mature in that? Will you have fruit when the time comes? When someone walks to you and says, I need from you, do you have it in you to feed them? Reason number two, for a fig tree, there's too much nitrogen in the fertilizer you're using. So, what are you putting in? What are you fertilizing your body with? What are you fertilizing your, your mind with? What are you fertilizing your spirit with? You know? So, we'll go. We own the gym, but we don't always eat right. You know what I'm saying? As we can tell. <laughs> Listen, you cannot outwork a bad diet. I don't care how hard you try. I've been trying to prove that wrong for years, and it just isn't happening. I'm telling you. I, I, I got this bad diet thing down pat, but I can't outwork a bad diet no matter what you do. You can't run on a treadmill enough to outwork a bad diet. So we'll go to McDonald's sometimes, you know? So we go to McDonald's. I say sometimes, quite often, usually for the morning time. Sometimes, like, it's not like every once in a while. To be honest with you, it's like, okay, we didn't get breakfast this morning, so we're going to swing by the McDonald's, get a number seven. Let's go. Two burrito meals, you know what I'm saying? That's what we get. So, um, and I'll, I'll get me, sometimes I'm good. I, this is when I'm a good boy. When I'm a good boy, I'll get a sweet tea. When I'm not being good, I get a Coke. Okay? So, here's 
Here's the thing about every time, every time I get a Coke, it messes me up. I can't breathe right. You know, I, I, it's just something about what's in it. And I did a job. Well, we won't go there. Anyhow, I know what goes in the Coke. So I know better. That's the truth. I know better. Yet I still do it. She's like, you're going to regret it. I'm like, but I'm doing it anyhow. One of the fun things I like to do is she'll get a sweet tea and I'll get a Coke. So I'll put them in the center thing on the car, you know what I mean? So I'll drink it. And then when she's not looking, I switch it because she hates it. So I switch it. Oh, yeah, I'll switch it. And she'll pick it up and she'll take a drink. Then she yells at me and I get to laugh for a while. It's amazing. So it is amazing. But even though I know that that's not good for me, even though I know, I know I'm going to feel horrible afterwards. There's not, there's not even a question. I know 100% I'm going to feel bad after this. I still choose to do it. I still make that decision. I make that choice to put that in my body. You know? So what do we choose each and every day to bring into us that we know is not meant for us? That we know is not going to help feed us? that we know it's not going to help grow us. You know, I was just, man, man. But we do it every day. Every day, number seven with a Coke. <laughs> number seven with a Coke. <laughs> so so the, la the last one it had is it's you're not getting in it the correct amount of water. You're not watering it properly. Not only does it say enough water, but too much water. You ever, there's someone in our family that my kids don't really like to talk to because all they ever talk to them about is the Bible. You know what I mean? They don't have, they don't want to have a relationship, <laughs> like they're dying over there because <laughs> they know who I'm talking about. <laughs> my children don't want to have a relationship with them because they can't relate to them any other way. You know, in order for me to relate to you and be able to speak into your life, I need to be able to say something other than Jesus loves you. So yesterday, Shaviv and I were shopping, and we were in, we were shopping, yeah, yeah. I had to get something to wear, because Haley said, I just want that dress. So I, I had to go find me some fake vans. So we were at uh, Burlington. We were walking through Burlington, and uh, I don't remember where, some, some, a lady comes up to us. First off, I'm like, if you come up to me first, especially if you're wearing a mask, I'm like, do I know you? Huh? Yes, she gets you too? <laughs> yeah, she got me. So we're in Burlington. And first off, she walks up to me and starts talking. Says, Jesus, Jesus love you. And then I'm like, do I know her? Because she looked familiar a little bit, you know what I mean? So I'm, so I'm going through my brain. And of course, luckily, I got my wife there. And she says, yes, he does. You know, if you know, if you know Shaviv, that is pretty much exactly right. You know? You know? So... So she says, oh, yes. And then the lady goes, are you a Christian? And she goes, yes, we are. <laughs> and then I just keep walking. <laughs> and she catches up. And she catches up. And then <laughs> a, a little bit later, a little bit later, um, Shaviv's uh, in the dressing room trying something on. And I'm standing there. You know, like, guys, we just stand there waiting on them. You know what I mean? So we're doing nothing. You're just standing there actually playing on the phone. So, and then I hear the lady got somebody else so she's so she just walks i just want to let you know jesus loves you well he says oh thank you and she goes to the lady are you a christian the lady goes no <laughs> i thought this is amazing <laughs> but unfortunately i couldn't hear anything else so but i thought to myself 
is, is she doing it just to make herself feel better? You know, if I had to go back, if I could go back in time, I should have said to that lady when she said, Jesus loves you. Hey, let me ask you a question. <laughs> did, did you speak to me because Holy Spirit told you to or because it made you feel good? You know what I mean? Because the truth is that Jesus loved you to me. That's cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you feel that way. You know what I mean? I know he loves me. That's not. But that other lady, it did nothing. All it did was maybe push her away. You know, she was, she was giving her too much water. She wasn't ready for the water yet. You know, she was in a place right then where she didn't need it. She didn't. It's not going to serve her. It's not going to serve that lady. It's like, I'm not a Christian. And she didn't want to hear nothing about it. You know, so I'm just. Make sure you're watering something properly. You know what I mean? Make sure you know when's the time to water that seed and when's the time to let that seed sit there for a little bit and be prepared. You know? Well, I think somewhere in the Bible it says, uh, listen, I'm not some of these people who can tell you chapter, verse, all that stuff. James is just like, isn't there somewhere? So... It says, nobody comes to the Father except through the Holy Spirit of Christ. One of them two, something like that. <laughs> something like that. It means, it means you're not going to make it to God through James Paget. I'm not going to be the one that forces you to make that decision. I, actually, he's not either. He's going to give you the opportunity. You know, he's going to give you that opportunity. So make sure that you're giving them the opportunity when's the right time. You know, give them what's needed. In uh, Mark eleven thirteen, it's basically the same thing. It's talking about the thing. He says, hey, I, in the distance I see the tree, yada, 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 all the good things. But at the end, it says one thing in Mark that it doesn't say in Matthew. It says, for, it's not, for it was not the season for figs. It was not the season. It was not the time. So the tree wasn't prepared. It wasn't the season for the tree. But it should be the always be the season for us. There should never be a time when the Father asks something of you, but it's not the season for you to be able to give that fruit. There should never be a time when you're unprepared. You know, there should never be a time when you're unprepared. That's one thing we talked about the other day. We were like, hey, uh, when we were talking on Tuesday night, I believe, I said, there's a lot of things I can say on Sunday. There's always something in me to say always something but is it the right thing for the day so i'm always prepared but is it right for that time are you always prepared a few weeks ago well two weeks ago three weeks ago anyhow i come home so i work a day job and i go to the gym right so i walk right through the i walk in the doors of the gym there's this lady standing there i just got off work right well i just got off work an hour and a half ago because an hour and a half drive to the gym so i drive to the gym and i walk through the door and there's a lady that said and she wants to talk to me, which, listen, Shabib's the one you talk to, just so y'all know. You want compassion? She's your girl. <laughs> so, but I had a choice to make. I could go change my clothes and get ready to do my thing, or I could stand there and talk to her. So I chose to stand there and talk to her because what was in me at that day, at that time, was what she needed. It wasn't that, which is easy it's easy for me to push you off to Shabib. It's really easy for me. I'm like, yes, yeah, you know, I do it all the time at the gym. I'm like, yes, he should be for that. You know? But I knew that what was, in, what was in me was for her at that time. So make sure you're ready. Make sure you're willing. Make sure you're prepared for when it's your time to be what's needed at that time. 
do you keep your fruit hidden? That's a question I put there. I put it in bold, too, or it's all caps, because I was like, there's a many times that I keep that hidden, because I don't want to have to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to have to, if some, listen, we've all done it. If you say you ain't done it, you're probably not telling the truth. <laughs> we've all had an opportunity to do something for someone, speak into someone, or do what the Father's asking us to do, and chose not to. We made that choice. We decided, you know what? I'm going to keep my fruit hidden right now. I'm not going to give what's asked of me right now. I've done it a many times sitting right back there in that sound booth, boys. That is my hiding spot right there. It's, and it's the truth. I would be lying if I, would, if I told you anything different. There's many times that I've been stirred to walk out and speak to maybe one of y'all. And even someone I know. You know, that's, that's when it's, that, to me, that's the most difficult. It's when you're going to talk to somebody you know. It's easy to talk to somebody you don't know. You know what I mean? It's easy because, hey, they don't know me. I, they, have no, they have no idea who I am, you know? It's easy. But to come and speak something in someone's life that you know, that's a challenge to me personally. But there's a many times that I failed that. I've sat right back there in that sound booth and just kind of hid behind them walls, hid behind that soundboard, and not walked out and spoke. Don't let that be you. You know, don't come to that place where you know I missed an opportunity. What's holding you back from grabbing that, man? I, what's holding you back? Fear. Is, is that one of the things? I'm afraid, you know. We do these different things at the gym. Um, one's a snatch. So my son, if you ask him, he's going to say he's better at it than I am. So don't ask him. So we'll be good. But basically, you grab the bar from the ground. And you jump up and you drop down on the squat with the bar directly over your head. That's what you do. Okay? It's real easy to do when it's the, light, the weight's light because there's nothing to it. So it's just like, hey, I got this all day. I have confidence in myself. The heavier it gets, the more challenging it gets. The more you have to have faith in yourself. The more you have to believe in yourself. The more times you fail. The more times you fail. So you have to decide. Am I willing to put myself out there? Am I willing to try this? You know, you'll never, ever get better if you stay where you're at. Amen. If I grab that bar and I put 135 pounds on that bar and I'll only ever lift 135 pounds, I'll always be really good at lifting 135 pounds. But I'll never know what else I can do. You know, that, it's one of the things you, you get all the time. We, you'll never know. What changes you can make? You'll never know. So you have to challenge yourself. You have to be willing to fail. Are you willing to fail? That's the question. Are you willing to put yourself out there and say, oh, man, that's not what I should have done right there. Let's see what else we got here. Man. What's funny is I was sitting there, so I had my notebook open, right, when Sam was speaking, just in case there was something that just popped in there. I was hoping, I was like, man, I got too much already. And it was, but the notebook is open and it's empty, right? So my son texts me, like your notes, dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. He also hates it when I make fun of him while I'm up here, but uh, it's fun for me. So I wrote, are you willing to do what you hate to change you? 
are you willing to do what you hate to make changes in your life? You know, so I'm just going to go here. And if it hurts somebody, anybody, I'm just going here. Let's just put it like this. One of the things I, so I search Instagram a lot, right? Because I'm always, Instagram and TikTok are my two go-tos. TikTok is for funny, and I can get stuck in TikTok land. If you've never been on TikTok land, we all know we can get stuck there. And Instagram, I'm always searching for fitness things. I'm always looking, I follow a ton and ton of fitness accounts, and I'm always searching for it. And one of the big things that everybody knows right now is the body positive stuff. You know what I mean? And it's amazing. I think it's right. We should all love ourselves where we're at. But don't use that as an excuse to change you. That's the issue we have nowadays. Everybody uses these things as excuses to better themselves. You know? It's not an excuse. Love you. But be willing to do what you hate to make you better. So I've noticed lately as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm having a hard time tying my shoes. I don't know if any of y'all have this issue. Okay? Okay. It's one of the ones where most of my shoes now, I tied them just right to where I ain't got to tie them no more. You know? I just kind of slip my feet in because uh, it's getting more challenging to reach down there because I'm, I'm not as flexible as I used to be. I was never flexible to start with, but I'm really getting in worse now. But I hate with a passion working on my mobility. I hate, I'd rather work out every day than work on my mobility. You know, so I have a choice to make. One, I can choose to, for it to get worse and worse and never be able to tie my shoes. Or I can work towards that and hate every second of it. You know what I mean? Every, I've done yoga a couple of times. It's amazing for people who can actually do something. When, listen, when they say touch your toes and this is all you got, it's a little more challenging, you know what I mean? It's a little more challenging. But so I have make it, I've made a decision that I'm not willing to be like that for the rest of my life. So I'm going to work. I got this little app on my phone, and I, I'm, it's 20 minutes of torture. Most days I do it. You know, you're supposed to do it five days a week. I just actually started, what, three days ago? <laughs> I started three days ago. So, but I've been diligent to do that because I'm tired of that restricting me, you know? So are you, are you willing to do what you hate to change yourself? Are you willing? That's the hardest thing I'm telling you. It's the hardest thing is to think, man, I know this is going to hurt. I know when they tell me to get down in this, sit in this squat for two and a half minutes that I'm going to have to come back up for a little bit. Because, listen, I got about a minute, and that's all you got when you're sitting down in a full squat for me. But there will be a day. There'll be a time when what was difficult is easy. There'll be a time when you look forward to it. That's what they say, at least. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I remember, I, man, years ago, I was doing, I had to do safety meetings at work, and I'll never forget, it's the first one I did in front of a big crowd of people. And I set up on that stage, and there was, it's a big job site, Winnie Palmer Hospital, when we did that the first time. Um, I set up on that platform and I got up there and I had my piece of paper. I don't think I've told this story before. And I had to speak to the entire job site. So it's probably somewhere three or 400 guys. Man, I'm shaking so bad I can't read the paper. I mean, it was horrible. I was like, you know, 
It was horrible. I did, and this is, this is a true story, I did so bad they never asked anybody to do it ever again. They changed it all up. I, it, was, it was amazing. I did, I did horrible, you know? I was young. I was 20, I don't know, 24, 25, something like that. Um, but that, I had a choice. And then after that, well, I never speak in public again. Actually, I didn't have a choice because it's my job. They tell me to do it. But, you know, but then the more you do it, the, more, the better you get, the easier it gets, you know? The more you don't really, it's okay. It's great. I still get nervous. Man, I was sitting down there shaking like a fool. <laughs> you know, I was ready. My son's like, he, text, he texts me, Dad, is your heart racing? I said, yep. I said, is yours? He said, yep, I'm nervous for you. <laughs> he didn't want me to embarrass him. I got him. But, um, but so one of the things I wanted to point out was for me to close today was a big challenge for me. It's a lot easier. For, it would have been easy for me to go first because I think, if y'all notice, most of the time I choose to go first because I don't feel like, I like to feel like I'm not coming up behind somebody, that they're not going to overshadow me. It's okay for, in my mind, in James's world, it's okay to go first and then somebody bring an awesome word after you. That's cool. But to have to have somebody go put two awesome words before you and come up with something? You know, so that was a big challenge for me to do. So I said, man, I really want to go first. And everybody seemed like, or last, and everybody seemed cool with that. And the only reason I did that, the only reason I did that is because something that Jacob said to me a few, I don't know, months ago, weeks ago. I used to always make a joke, always make a joke. I still like to make a joke. I try not to, but I used to always make a joke when I'd go that I want to go first. So I set the bar low. You know, and Jacob said something in the nature of, I don't ever want to hear you say that mess again. You know? And so even when I was texting them, I was going to text them. I want to go first. I can make the, but I didn't. You know what I mean? So I challenged myself. So be willing to do something outside of your comfort zone. Man, there is so much in each and every one of us. So many things in you that you don't even know is in you. You know, because you set yourself in this little box. You know, Shaviv used to say all the time, we talk about somebody, she said, they have great purpose. They have great purpose. I used to hate it. I'm, I ain't gonna lie to you. Then she'd tell you, I used to hate it. I'd be like, how do you know what their purpose is? How do you know they got great purpose? She said, because they're from the Father. You know? So every one of us has great purpose. It's up to us whether we're going to tap that whether we're going to grab a hold of that, whether we're going to make something or not. Are you going to make something of yourself? That's the question. Are you willing to make the changes in your life, to see yourself as the Father sees you? That's a hard thing to do, man. That's a hard... I remember younger, when, we, when she was younger, my daughter had a self-esteem issue. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said it's true. I think anybody that spoke, their kids know that they're going to say something about them. Kaylee's like, yep. So she had a self-esteem issue for a while, you know? And I remember I, would, I went to her bedroom one time and I wrote these things on her mirror because she had big mirrors. And I said, every day I want you to say these things over yourself, you know? Because when we look at ourselves, all we see, all we see is the negative things about us. When you look in that mirror in the morning, what do you see? You see your flaws. The father doesn't see your flaws. He's not looking for your flaws. He don't care about your flaws because he's going to use your flaws to speak to someone. You know? 
He's going to use those things that are in your life to make a change to someone else. So when you look in that mirror, when you get up in the morning, you're doing your hair or brushing your teeth or whatever you're doing, see the things of the Father in you. See what he sees in you. And speak that over yourself. And if you can't do it, grab somebody that can. That's what we're here for. We are brothers and sisters. We are a family. My family, we do one of two things. We give you a hard time about everything. But when the time comes, when you're down, we're there to hold you up. You know? So if you're down, even if I'm hiding in the sound booth, you can grab me. I'll hold you up. I'm a strong man. Stronger than my son. Don't ask him, though. Don't, don't ask him. Don't y'all be going over to him later and saying, hey, is your dad really stronger than you? Because he'll only list the things that he's better at me at. He won't ever talk about the things that I got him at. That list keeps getting lower and lower as the years go. But you know, many years ago, it was like everything at the gym. Now it's, it's shrinking a little bit. That's okay. One day he'll be older and he'll have a son. You know, but I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm going to make a point to be out of there more, you know, because there's something in me for each of you. There's something in each of you for me. There's something in each of you for the person beside you, for someone you work with, for someone you go to school with, for someone you don't know. <laughs> you may be walking through Burlington one day. And Holy Spirit says to you, hey, go tell that person Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what he taps to me. Hey, baby. Holy Spirit said for you to go tell that person Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. <laughs> but be willing. Be ready when the time comes. Be ready. You know. Do the things you need to do today to be ready for that day. So that's all I got. Thank each and every one of you for coming. We're gonna, now listen, there's a few things James is bad at and praying is one of them, but we're going to try it anyhow. So stand up. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Yali, thank you for these people. Thank you for these opportunities each and every opportunity we have every day. Thank you for growing us and changing us. Thank you for equipping us to be what you need us to be at that point in time. I love you and thank you. Amen.